Welcome to another episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can find me all over the wilds of the internet as well as VO. Today, I am happy once again to be here at the library in Polly's Island with Chris Bell. And we're going to be running up on our big summer project, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but with the whole summer reading theme of Tales and Tales, uh, we've done all kinds of things. I guess last you heard from us, we were sort of talking about uh, our laser cut stuff that we did with the fairy doors. Yes. And thanks to everybody for all that feedback. And we will in fact be making those files available. Um, so that's going to happen. Uh, check, keep an eye on the blog and we'll let you know. Yeah. Sorry about the timing. Everything moves at light speed here at the library. <laughs> right. Backwards. Everyone thinks things moves at light speed backwards. Yeah. Welcome to governmental institutions. Of which I am a part. Yay. Yay. All right. So, um, but uh, that was a lot of fun. What we're working on now is uh, little tokens that are animals that folks can use with the fairy doors or as refrigerator magnets to tell their own stories. And uh, we're going to be doing little themed kits over the course of the summer eight different kits, I believe, and uh, we're still designing them and it's going to be like things with cool tales or uh, cool stories behind them. So one of them Folk is probably going to be Little Red Rocketing Hood. We're going to have a bunch of dinosaurs with the coolest tales. We're going to do some mythology ones like dragons and whatnot. Absolutely. It, it should be very exciting. And there's no formalized game before it, uh, but uh, what we are going to talk about today and I'm pretty excited about is a bunch of games that would be appropriate for your institution for uh, the Tales and Tales summer reading program in libraries. Also good for uh, Tales and Tales at schools. Not that I don't know where what your school is doing or where they are or what year you're listening to this in. <laughs> yes. Uh, in general, these are also just good games for the most part. Most most of them are. Um, some <laughs> of them are are better in concept than games, but we'll, we'll tell you that if we get to those, because <laughs> we have a huge table full of games that we want to talk about today. Absolutely. Uh, we do have a couple things to review before we jump in, stuff that we have played recently. And one of the things that we played was Tiny Epic Tactics in the uh, cooperative mode. Yes. Yes. So we love Tiny Epic Tactics games. Let's just say that right front. Or Tiny Epic games. Or Tiny Epic games, yes. And and there's not a bad Tiny Epic game. No, I mean they and they have a lot of them. They got it's, yeah, it's a, a huge a, series. A big double handful. And Tiny Epic Tactics, we haven't played the way it was intended to play. Instead, we played the cooperative way. Don't do that. Yeah. Um we'd love to have more people to try um, a full game of the versus mode, the main mode, I guess. Uh, but we've tried the additional cooperative mode, and there's a lot of mechanics to it. Right. A lot of moving parts that you have to keep track of. Indeed. And we also played um, Aldabas, which is coming up from the folks of the Grand Gamers Guild. Uh, the Oh, I forgot to say, Tiny Epic Tactics was donated to the library by Gamelin Games. Um and uh, the Aldabas is from the Grand Gamers Guild. Lots of Gs in our game <laughs> companies. I, I wonder why. And Aldabas was a game that's not yet out. And I think it's going to Kickstarter. 
They're going to be really annoyed at me for not knowing all the details, but honestly, we got it for a different podcast. Just to confirm, that's the one with the doors. It is the game of doors, right? Yes. Okay. And so it's brightly colored, and you are laying out doors in columns and rows, a la spreadsheet. And the big catch is you cannot lay the same color of door next to the uh, same color. Yes. So two blue doors cannot be above or left or right of each other. That's right. And it's a very neat mechanic. So, I mean, you're kind of bidding, all the players are bidding on the same doors that are on the market at the same time. Obviously, the newer doors are more expensive. The ones that get stuck around for a while are cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a neat mechanic because you must build your doors next to each other and you get powers based on when a door's played and when a door's played next to another door. Right. So you kind of, your action lasts for a while. You kind of know what the other person is going to be doing for a little while. Right. You get, you get it's to take neat. two actions, mm-hmm. which is, you know, purchase one of the doors to go in your hand or play one of the doors or put money in your, in your secret cash or mm-hmm. take money. Right. I think that it was, it was neat. I, I want to play it with more players. I think with two players, you're not getting the full experience. True, but it was still a lot of fun. It was. It was. Uh, we also played a game called Alder the High Sage, and that's A-L-D-R, so it looks like internet abbreviations. And it's a very abstract game where you are trying to make patterns based on elemental symbols. And if you make a pattern based on elemental symbols or wilds or blanks, then you get to put one of your little sages on the thing. And once you have placed all of your sages, you win. Yes. So you're kind of fighting back and forth to create the patterns, but also prevent your opponent from being able to create the patterns they need. Right. There's a common board between your two things. And with that, uh, you're putting your cards on top of them. And the cards are like domino shaped. So there's two symbols on either side. So it could be a fire and a wild or an earth and an air. And you're placing those down. And one of those symbols has to go on the same kind of symbol and the other one is going to be somewhere else. And so you're trying to line them all up so that the four or five symbols that you need for your device, I guess it's four symbols, right. make the same kind of shape. And it's it's really neat. We we open it up and I, I looked at the box and I was like, oh, this game is going to be horrible. And I shouldn't say that. Don't <laughs> judge a box, a game by its cover any more than a book. But uh, we got into the pieces and we're like, oh, okay, this is looking kind of neat. And I had a lot of fun while playing it. Green light for me. What did you think, Chris? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of those really simple games um, that causes you to stop and think for a lot longer than you ever realize. Right, right, right. So if you like games like Hive or you like games uh, you know, like uh, Onitama or the other games where you're sort of really thinking about what you're doing and looking for patterns, it's right there. Right. We got that. Was that donation? That was a donation for Shushcon, yes. Donation by Rather Dashing. Rather dashing games. Um, and it is a game set in the Element Universe. I guess they have a series of these. Or will. Who knows? Not it's... us, because what did we not do? <laughs> Research. We play their games. We play the games they send us. <laughs> uh, and so that's neat. And uh, it will be very popular here in the room. So, oh, speaking of which, uh, we have mentioned Shushcon. So we have to say Shushcon, mid-October, here at the Wakamonic Branch Library, uh, get your vaccine, come play games with us. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Yes. All right. Um, so I think that's all we really need to talk about games-wise that we played. So with the Tales and Tales, uh, we have mentioned that we're doing a bunch of laser cut of little animals, and we thought it would be awfully nice if we talked about some games that we have 
that either deal specifically with animals or tell stories or tell stories about animals. <laughs> and do we want to start light or heavy, Chris? Um, I think we start with the best themes. The best themes. Ooh, Which that's tough. I think our number one here Ooh. is probably Mice and Mystics. Okay. So we are starting heavy. <laughs> it's it's on the heavier end. And, and it's not that heavy once you know how to it play. It is very light in its genre, but its genre is heavy. Yes. And so by that we mean it's an adventure game where you are creating your characters and you are leveling them up as you go along and improving them and they're going on quests or it's adventures. moderately a legacy game. You're it's, not actually modifying the board, but you are playing your characters through a story. All right. So for those who don't understand what legacy games is, because um, I don't know that we've defined it on this particular show recently, uh, you have games that are campaigns, which means one scenario falls on the other and falls on the other. A legacy game is one where you're going to permanently change the state of the game as you play it. Yes. And so My Submistics is pre-legacy craze, but it is a campaign game. So you will be making permanent changes to your character sheet mm-hmm. for your character over time. And it's not really a character. I think, I think it's all done with cards in My Submistics. But we always have notes with it when we do it. Um, right. And it is neat. And it, it's not super difficult, but your uh, students or patrons will certainly benefit from having someone teach them how to play the game. Absolutely. If you're familiar with board games, it is not a difficult one. It's actually really well laid out in its rules. Mm-hmm. Um, if you aren't familiar, it could be on the heavier side. And that's from Plat Hat Games. And the whole premise is, Mice and Mystics, is that uh, a group of people in a magical kingdom in fairy tale land or wherever get turned into mice and have to try and find their human forms again or get back into them or whatever. And so they're going through this human-sized world as mice. Yes, and they have all the enemies you would expect, the ants, the scorpions, the spiders. The cat. The cat. And the birds, yep. And it has a great set of little miniatures that are in it. I think it is all still in print. There are expansions, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's been very super popular. So, yeah, Mice and Mystics is a great pick for me. Green light for you. Oh, yes. Um, I think great game, a lot of fun. Never gotten all the way through it. Never had the four man to do it, but I really enjoyed it. This summer, we should do it. We should. Right. So since we're talking about small things and creatures and bugs and stuff um, and, uh, and a heavy game, let's go lighter, but stay in that same sort of vein. Let's talk about cockroach poker. Ooh. The so- reverse poker game. It is a bluffing game, is, is all it is, really. There's there's mm-hmm. no poker in it, um, except for you are trying not to get sets of yes. things. And I found out at one point that we were not actually playing by the rules, but I like our rules better. So <laughs> let's give a summary. Um, the way it plays is somebody draws a card, and they look at it, and it has a picture of some sort of bug on it, like a cockroach, a spider, a stink there's bug, like whatever. five like eight, sets. Eight, eight or sets. Five or eight, yeah. Um, and then you... Lay it down so nobody can see what it is and nobody has seen it. And you say what it is. Like, this is a cockroach. And then you slide it to one of the other players. So, Chris, I'm sliding you this cockroach. Mm -hmm. Are you going to agree or disagree or pass it on to somebody else? And that's the choice. That's the choice, yeah. So, um, if I try to call Donald out, um, I'm putting the danger between me and Donald. 
Right. However, if I pass it on and try to get the danger away from myself, I'm still stuck with it for one more turn because I get to make the same claim. I take a look at it, and now I get to give it to someone else and say, it's a spider. Or it's a cockroach. He or could I say, could just keep oh, saying, yeah, it's okay. a cockroach. It's a cockroach. And then you slide it to the next person. And then they have to pick someone else out of the table and pass it on or call Chris and say, you're telling the truth. And if they flip it over and they're right, Chris has to take it back. Or they say, oh, you're lying. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Chris, if he was lying, he has to put it in front of him. And yes. So you're basically trying to evaluate the lying ability of your friends. And it is, you learn a lot about your <laughs> friends in this game. It is a lot of fun. Very quick, very easy. Um, great game for new people to just pick up and learn. Yep, and play. And in the Tales thing you've got you know a bunch of bugs with a bunch of different backsides so that's as <laughs> yes. close as you're going to get to tails and tails on that and yeah i've had so much fun with this my copy has been brought into the library it got cataloged and it's completely worn out so at some point <laughs> well, we're going to have to get a new copy for the library and i will have to replace it myself but that is going to happen that's how much i like this game cockroach poker and there's a new version that has some extra rules oh so the way you lose we didn't cover that Hmm. Um, the way you lose is by having so many of failures in front of you, mm-hmm. right? You've had to eat these cards, so to speak. So um, many sets of a certain number of cards or right. something like that. Like, oh, if you've got eight cards in front of you, congratulations, you've lost. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember when it's five or eight. We always have to look that up when the rules come out. The other way that we played is if you end up with one of each in front of you, mm-hmm. you lose. The rainbow. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's it. That's exciting. Um, a, a whole lot of uh, of fun and horribleness with Cockroach Poker. Recommend it wholeheartedly. Very fun game. Recommended. So now let's talk about, um, I think, something that every teacher and librarian should have as part of their games or activities collection. I mean, should's a strong word, but I think it's a particularly powerful tool. And uh, let's talk about Rory's Story Cubes. Absolutely. I think we've talked about them before. Yes. But they're worth talking about again. Right. Um, so what what are Rory Story Cubes? Yeah, Rory Story Cubes are a set of dice that have pictures on them. Yep. That's, I mean, that is the entire thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a story helping mechanic more than right. anything else. And, and they can be used in so many ways. And, and there are a variety of other things, off-brand ones, story time dice, et cetera, that, that have more rules or instructions. But in Rory Story Cubes, it's basically a bunch of dice with pictures on them that you can use to tell a story as a conversation starter, as a whatever. So I know that uh, maybe some therapists might have, I heard someone say it, I have not experienced this myself, but have used it with like, well, what do you want to talk about today? Grab a die and roll it, and we can talk about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not therapeutic advice please do not ever count on us for that kind of thing that's not how i'm trained um and the world's a better place for it (laughs) that is true (laughs) but uh for role-playing games or for storytelling it can be everybody grabs a die you roll it and when you think your thing is going to fit into the story then you jump in and you tell that thing Mm. one person can grab four dice tell a quick story or a chapter of a story and the next person can grab more dice and keep rolling they have a whole bunch of sets too. Yes, they um, they have specific ones uh, like Batman, Scooby Doo themed ones, um, and then they have generic ones like adventures. I'm looking at right now. One of them's just actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have 
Right. Generic and specific sets. Right. So the action ones have, you know, people doing things like maybe throwing a ball or something physically happening. And the generic set might just have an umbrella. Right. Right. So that's what it is. And they can be used in so many ways. You've, uh, you know, you've used them in role-playing games. It's like, oh, what's this NPC? I'm going to grab a thing out and throw it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to tell you a little bit about it. And you draw out the Batman die. And throw it and you get the Batman symbol and the game's all of a sudden changed. You really could use them to make a uh, generic Marvel villain. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. A penguin and an umbrella. Hmm, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's Batroc the Leaper. Uh, yeah. they, they're very neat tools. They yeah. are, but that is what they are, is they are tools. Right. There's no real game behind them. Uh, I think the story time dice are a different creature entirely, that there are rules, but they basically say they aren't rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, weird thing about, well, not weird thing. The unfortunate thing is I bought a set and half of them were cracked and broken. Yeah. Actually, the library bought a set and they were cracked and broken. <laughs> so there is no game behind them, but in Untold Adventures Await, there are story cubes behind them. Oh, good, good, good crossover there. All right. So yes, Untold Adventures Await, also made by the Rory Story Cubes folks. Um, and actually Rory Story Cubes is now owned by a different company than the folks who make Untold Adventures Await. Uh, Untold Adventures Await is recreating a television show or creating a television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing a season or an episode of a show, uh, depending on how you're scaling things. Yeah. And in it, the box has a bunch of cards that are elements of a story. And so they, when you get the box, they're all, oh, here's this story, here's that story type. So it might be a mystery or an adventure or whatever. Right. And the cards will only give you the guidelines, like your intro, your villain, your twist, your Mm -hmm. conflict or whatever. So they don't give you anything more than the bare bones that you need. And they don't actually give you a villain or a twist. They They have a spot for that. Yes. And how do you fill that in? The story cubes. Yes. You roll your story cubes and you fill in the appropriate slots. My Untold Adventures Awaits box is so heavy because I have so many sets of story cubes in it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's It really lends itself to lots of extra sets. And it's neat. And to sort of tie it in to the Tales and Tales theme, you've got um, the ability to say, hey, we're doing a Saturday morning cartoon. Everybody pick your, pick your favorite animal and we're going to make the setting, you know, like Chippendale Rescue Rangers or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're going to use these properties yeah you, i mean it is a guideline and you can fit it to anything you want right so um super gold star like it a lot i have used it to uh you know come up with rpg scenarios before mm-hmm. um i have not actually run one uh i mean i've run untold adventures wait as an rpg because that's what it is sort of as a good introduction for that uh but um i haven't done it live with my dungeon world group and I'm thinking maybe I won't tell them. I'll have it off to the side and I will just do the whole scenario with dice rolls. Like, oh, here's what's happening. And I wish I could say that's the worst thing you've done to them, but it's not even close. It, no, it's not even close. <laughs> so, yep. Oh, well, I still remember Scarab. <laughs> so, all, all right. right. So, great game. Yeah. Highly recommended. Both the Story Cubes and Untold Adventures Await. Great for Tales and Tales. And I've got to tell you that the uh, the Hub Games folks sent this to us. We bought a bunch of story cubes. Mm-hmm. So I don't think those were given to the podcast or to the library. But they did send us Untold Adventures Await for oh. Shushcon. 
And just to throw this out there, Untold Adventures Await does come with its own set of Story Cube. Oh, yeah, absolutely does. does. Though there's room for duplicate sets or for other sets. Yes. You know, you could have three of the same die in there and it wouldn't be a problem. But variety is good. Yes. Ooh, well, that was exciting. Let's let's leap into something a little more serious, I guess. All right. And uh, talk about Endangered by our friends over at the Grand Gamers Guild again. Uh, we backed their Kickstarter. And so all of our libraries are getting a copy of this game. We have them here, but we haven't rolled them out yet to everybody. That is true. We just have a stack of them still. (laughs) They're beautiful. They're so beautiful. Um, But when I do programs at the libraries, I'll take them there and we'll put them in their collections. Yep. So in Endangered, you are one of a group of professionals or volunteers or whomever trying to save a particular type of animal in the base set here. You have otters or tigers, and oh my gosh, the cover is so striking. It is. Sorry, I had to stop and look at it. It is beautiful art. And yeah, it's not some dour old, you know, grumpy dude on a cover trying to sell you goods. In this case, you're like, hey, look, there's a tiger. Maybe you want to save the tigers. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it's an action game where you are um, putting your pieces down and saying, this is the action I want to take. I guess worker placement is the effective type of game. Um, And you are trying to save the uh, animals from extinction by helping them make more animals or by getting the governments to, to love them dearly or stopping their environment from being destroyed or whatever. And each of the different types of character classes that you have, you're like, Oh, environmental lawyer. Oh, person on the internet who talks to people. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, conservationist who goes outside and actually works with animals, which is a novel idea, <laughs> uh, but it's not a super easy game. It does deal with, you know, a moderately tough topic and um, I don't know which conservation group it is, but it certainly has the approval of one of them. And I'm a bad yeah, person for not I mean, moderately educational for the issues, not a one-to-one, but still. No, I, I would say it's super educational in that it, it gives a lot of perspectives on the kinds of things you could actually do. Right. And it is a very difficult game. I mean, they want you to understand this is not an easy thing you are taking on. Right. Um, this is not a kind of game where you will sit down and expect to win most of the time. This is the type of game where your group of four or five are going to sit down and play six, seven times and probably pull out a win. Right. And I would say, you know, Untold Adventures of Wade is good with like three players, maybe four. Endangered Sweet Spot is three players. You can play it with four, but it's I think it's best with three. Five is a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Though with most games, once you start hitting those numbers, there's a lot of downtime. The game has to be designed for that player. Yeah. So um, I like this game enough that I had played it before it was released. Mm-hmm. and uh, But we did pay for it. That's... We paid for a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's great. So I I recommend it highly. Um, Hmm. What else do we want to talk about Um, from the big stack of games? Is there anything up there you haven't played that you want me to talk about? That's a great question. And I'm looking at them. And I don't think I've ever played Costa Rica. Reveal the Rainforest. Oh, it's the photojournalist one. Okay. So he's still grabbing it. I had to remember it. Oh, that's that's a sound effect for the podcast. All right, so, <laughs> I'm making Donald do his work. So in uh, in Costa Rica, you are a photojournalist trying to get photos of sets of animals, and and that's really it. Is you're wandering around a rainforest trying not to die from malaria, I assume. Um, and because one of the things is you are you're sort of pressing your luck uh, 
with uh, uh, how much, uh, how many pictures you can take or get into a thing over time, and there's a chance that mosquitoes will stop you from <laughs> from getting all of your pictures. So you weren't joking about the no, theme of the game. No, I'm not. It's a nice light game, and it's a you've got a bunch of tiles that are face down, and so you're exploring as you go along and picking up tiles and putting them into sets. And I, uh, you know, I like it. It's a fun game. And it's by Mayfair Games, it, which no longer exists as Mayfair Games, or maybe somebody owns the brand now. Maybe part of I think it's part of Asmodee, but it, at it, this point, we're not really sure who actually owns this game. It went belly up, and Lookout Games. It probably is a um, the other logo on the box, right? It's Lookout. Uh, Games. Yes, Lookout Games. It's Lookout Games. Um, they're the folks who did Caverna and I think Agricola and a couple of other really popular games. And this is mm-hmm. a lighter version, lighter game. It's not not as big as any of those. Right. But if you're just looking for an excuse to work other animals into your gaming programming, then this is a great one. It also, you know, so like, hey, you can go hunt for animals without killing them, which is, you know, a novel thing. Absolutely. No animal perspectives in this one, though. Yeah, it's more about the people looking for the animals. Right. Super much. All right, so let's talk about something else that's super abstract that would be very appropriate for this. And it will briefly hit the card lines lines. Of that's stuff. what I was just looking at. Uh, we have a lot of those. Right. And um, I'm going to go take a look because now I'm trying to confuse it with timelines and I realize It's exactly that. the same kind of thing. So Is it? In, okay, in, yeah. In card lines, you have a variety of aspects of your animals, uh, like how big they are or whatever. And um, you're trying to lay them out um, on the uh, on the board by you've got a handful of cards. You haven't looked at the back with all the information. You're trying to slip them into the line about that, where on that line they are from like biggest to smallest, or I don't remember what right. the categories are. Let's pretend it's biggest to smallest and on the board you've That's got one of them. Yeah. an elephant, a snake, and a cheetah. Well, you probably know what order those go in, but in your hand, you now have a horse. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out where on the list that goes. And as it, it's easy now, but once you start sliding in more, well, where does a zebra go before or after the horse? It's like, oh, it's an ostrich. Yeah. Is it's, an ostrich bigger than a cheetah or not? And suddenly, not for long. Um, oh. <laughs> the more you put on there, the more difficult it becomes. And it's the first person to lose all their cards. So right. get them all placed. If you get correct, if you get pictures in the place, correct place, you do not have to draw a new card. And if you fail that, then you have to draw a new card. Yes. And so um, it's a great game that you learn about things. And a lot of times you end up learning things that you think, I would have never known that, would have never guessed. Like, I had no idea there was a 30-pound rat or whatever <laughs> a capybara is, you know? Yes. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, recommend that whole series. And there's we've got the dinosaurs one and the animals here one there's, on the table, but there's a variety. There may be a dozen of them. Yep. I mean, there's an there's American history one. There's uh, uh, time various time ones that we've talked about previously. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, there's like an them. electronics one. There's just world history ones. But for this show, we're talking about the dinosaurs and the animals, so. <laughs> which is what we have. You know, let's go werewolves. One week ultimate werewolf. Well, let's start with one night ultimate werewolf and work. Oh, our way right, up. we'll start in the lower side. All right, so uh, in one night ultimate werewolf, everybody is given a role, and you're trying to figure out either who the werewolves are or trying to keep the people who are not werewolves from figuring out that you're a werewolf. The only trick to that is you may not be sure what your role is by the time the night's done. That is true. It is 
a stupid fun game. It's yeah, you you get your card, you look at it based on what your card does at some point during the night following the order of either the rules or you can use the app. The app is great. Use it's the app. Use free the app. app and it basically runs you through it very easily. Um and you might do things. You might swap two other people's cards. You might swap your card and someone else's. You might just peek at somebody's card. You might get to peek at your own card. Right. Um, so I don't know if Chris mentioned this because I wasn't listening. But um, <laughs> at the beginning of each round, the narrator, whoever it is, says, close your eyes. And then one by one for the different types, it might say, all right, werewolves, open your eyes. So then the werewolves get to see who the other werewolves are. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, um, uh, trickster. I don't remember what all the particular ones are, but you swap two other characters. Without looking at their cards. Without looking at their cards. Um, and one of them is trade your card with somebody else's and look at it. So then you know if you're the werewolf, but they don't know if they are no longer a werewolf, right? Right. And so the app is highly recommended because... It literally runs you step by step through everybody. And you get to pick which one you want. And it's like, oh, we're using this particular set of cards. We have minions, so there will be a minion turn this time. Mm -hmm. And then it also, you can work in the One Night Daybreak expansion or the One Night Vampire or the One Night Aliens, all of these variety. They got a whole bunch of these things. And it's nice to have the app sort of hold your hand yeah. And you can do, they've got a male and a female voice. So you can pick who your narrator is. And I think maybe you can even make it random. I'm not sure. Um, but they've got all kinds of stuff. It's fun. It's not really tales and tales, but if you're doing superstitions or mythology uh, or monsters, then it's a great setup for that kind of thing. Absolutely. And it's fast. It's like each round is like 15 minutes. Made by Bezier Games. Bezier Games, exactly. And so what you're doing is after all the thing has walked you through all the parts, people basically just argue about who's werewolves and who's not. And so the trickster will watch for a while and say, but I switched your two things there. Mm-hmm. And then they go, so you didn't do that. I'm the trickster. And I switched you with this other person. <laughs> and then you're like, uh-oh, one of them's a werewolf. Right. The problem is the werewolf may also be trying to figure out, oh, wait, am I still a werewolf? Am I still a werewolf? Am I still on the bad guy's team or the good guy's team? Because uh, you win based on what you have in front of you at the end. And then there's a vote, and the villagers are all trying to vote to get a, to pick a werewolf. The werewolves are trying to not have a werewolf picked, and the tanner is trying to get you to pick him to kill because the tanner's life is miserable. <laughs> there's that little bit extra. Um, so, and that is a one round kind of game, but they went and made a bigger version, one week ultimate werewolf with they did. some very hefty pieces. It's got big chunky bits. Um. It is effectively the same game, but they've added basically a board system to the game, and it's played over five or seven rounds, depending on number of players. Right. Um, where you're basically running around the board and messing with the people on your zones and stuff like that. And there are NPCs that do things, uh, and you can have go to a specific room and use the ability of that room. And you have a handful of cards that basically you're going to play down your cards so folks are going to see, oh, you've moved here and there so I can tell where you're going to be going next turn. It uh, takes kind of all the mechanics of One Night Ultimate Werewolf, applies and, them, and then adds a little bit extra. And muddies them up, I think. It's a good game. I do not think it is a great game like One Night, but I think it's still a very good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it definitely tried to take a really fast, easy, fun game and build it into a full-length game. So one of the problems with 
uh, one week Ultimate Werewolf is that frequently there's not enough clues. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even more with that, which is the original werewolf, which is one night at a time you're grinding through your other, you know, your players mm-hmm. uh, to try and figure out, oh, are you a werewolf? Nope. Okay, let's go and do it again and again and again. Um, and that, yeah, I don't know. I like it. I'd be happy to play it. But they, they, it's like they're trying to give you more context clues, and so, that sort of draws out the game. My opinion, One Night Ultimate Werewolf works great with pretty much any group of players, as long as you don't have a cheater. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, it is a, anybody can sit down, play together, you'll have a fun time. One Week Ultimate Werewolf, with the right group, you'll have fun. Right. Oh, and there's another one that we don't have here, which is weird. I thought we had a copy. Um, Werewords. Oh, yes, we do have werewords. Somewhere. And it's 20 questions, one night ultimate werewolf, except for instead of you have one night where everybody closes their eyes, um, you they do that, and then the mayor, people, or people are going to ask the mayor questions, and the mayor is going to try and answer the questions and get you to guess whatever his word is. Yes. And so uh, if the werewolf, if, if they go, oh, um, yes, there's... Um, it's an animal or a mineral or a vegetable. So it's basically just 20 questions. The problem is sometimes the mayor can be the werewolf. Or, I mean, the werewolf themselves. The werewolf knows the word as well. Their goal, yeah. stop the players from guessing the right word. Right. Now, and if the players guess the right word, then they get to vote to see who the werewolf is. So if they don't, players don't guess the word. Um, werewolf they, wins. Yeah, pretty much. And the players can, I think, still try and guess the werewolf, but... Oh, no. If the players don't... Okay. If the players don't get it, werewolf wins. Yes. If the players get it, they need to vote for the werewolf. Yes. Um, so the person who was trying to throw them off the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't get that, I believe the werewolf still wins? Or it's sounds, like a lesser victory. That sounds right. Um, um, and but if and there's also a chance that if the werewolf guesses who the seer is, the, 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 the right. werewolf. Right. One of the players will know the word as well, one of the villagers. And if the werewolf figures out who that is, the werewolf wins. Right. So you've got three people who know the word. Everyone else doesn't know the word. And there's like four different games being played on top of each other at right. the same time. And I think that's what happens if the players don't guess the word, the werewolf gets the chance to guess the seer. And if he does, he wins. I don't remember. Well, now we're arguing semantics. We may or may not check. Matter. But anyway, it's a neat game. And uh, obviously, it's been at least a year since we've played it with a yes. group of players. So A lot of fun. That whole series of games, a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. All right. So I think that uh, we're going to wrap things up here at this point, and we have more games to talk about later. Uh, Some particularly spectacular storytelling games that are great for animal type things um, and others that are more, hey, this is about animals and you get to do animal things. Yes. So Anyway, um, I appreciate you listening to this episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about Chris and myself at inversegenius.com, as well as the other folks who produce Inverse Genius podcasts. This podcast is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System, but they uh, are not responsible for anything that we've said. (laughs) Never. Anyway, I'm Donald. I'm Chris. Bye-bye.